Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Hey, shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon, coming to you all the way from Out of Ashes Ministries in DeRitter, Louisiana, Southwest Louisiana. And I have a question for you. How are you? How is your week going? I hope uh, things are going well. And you know what? Even if things are go- aren't going so well this week, uh, you're probably hearing this Tuesday or Wednesday. I hope that you're finding some way to at least maybe enjoy or take a lesson from or be challenged by some kind of way to work whatever's going in your week uh, to a positive because we know that's what Hashem does for us and we want to be in line with what He does as much as we can. So no matter how the events are going or the situation is going for you this week, I hope you can find a way to make the best of it and I hope we can be a part of that for you. So uh, welcome to the 135th episode of Image Bearers Radio. Hope that you are doing really, really well. If it's your first time catching the uh, the show, uh, whether on Hebrew Nation Online uh, or on YouTube or Facebook, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you podcast from, uh, you're seeing the video, maybe you're hearing the audio, whichever one it is, I want to welcome you guys. I hope that uh, you'll stick around for the conversation. And uh, I hope it's one that's helpful for you, uh, one that hopefully gets you to think a little bit better. Uh, this show is all about uh, how we uh, develop and increase our image-bearing potential and uh, responsibility as we were created in the image and likeness uh, of Hashem. And so uh, we hope that it's helpful for you. If it's your first time also, um, please know that we, at Out of Ashes Ministries, we live stream our Shabbat services every single week at 10 a.m. Central. So If you have a Shabbat fellowship that meets at a different time and you'd like to check out something else, or if you don't have fellowship at all, I know many, many people uh, just don't have any Torah-based or Torah-related, you know, Messianic-type fellowship. And so we'd love to have you join us. You can check it out on our website, uh, or if you'd like to be involved in conversation online, YouTube or Facebook, we multi-stream to those platforms as well. And then we archive our teachings, uh, just the teaching part later on for sharing and things like that. So if it's your first time, welcome to the show. If you have been listening for a while, which I know we have many people that have been from all over the place, then I want to say thank you guys for just creating an awesome community, for being faithful, for listening and now watching, uh, and uh, it's just for being awesome. We wouldn't do this without you. We couldn't do it without you, and you're such an incredible part of the show and what it makes, uh, what it takes to make this happen. And you guys are the fulfillment, I believe, of the, of God's uh, image-bearing creation in us. So we are reflecting him, and I really appreciate you guys so very, very, very much. Uh, I want to ask you to do two things that I don't know that I've ever really asked before this pointedly, but I want to take time uh, today to do this. Number one, I want to ask you guys, if you're finding these episodes helpful uh, and if you enjoy them, I want to ask you to share them, whether the audio version, the video version, the link from our website, however you found this, the podcast from Hebrew Nation, wherever you are listening or or you find it helpful, most easy to listen, share these episodes. Uh, Maybe something that we cover in one the episodes has sparked a thought, and maybe it's something that I hear all the time. People say like, "Oh, we were just talking about this the other day," and you know, it's a conversation starter for friends or Bible study groups or whatever. 
So share it if you wouldn't mind. And then number two, this is really out of my comfort zone, but uh, I want to ask you guys if you would, if again, if you find it helpful and you like the podcast, if you would consider supporting financially. Uh, it doesn't have to be recurring or every week or whatever. That's great, and that would be you know very well welcomed. Um, but a one-time donation or you know every once in a while, we can do it either way, uh, whatever is convenient for you. But you know to help us continue to increase the quality and to uh, reach a broader audience. Uh, you know none of this stuff is free. It, it costs money to do, and this is an extension of our ministry. Um, but if you maybe don't join us on, I know many people don't join us on Shabbat, but you check out the episodes every week, uh, consider going to our website, outofashesministries.org slash give. And there you can put, even in the notes, you can put IBR, Image Bearers Radio. You can set up a recurring donation if you'd like, or you know whatever you'd like to give, whatever you feel led to give uh, each and every week or one time, whatever it may be. It would really help us, and uh, we would really appreciate your investment in what we are trying to do here uh, on the radio show and on the podcast. All right? Well, I think that's it. So uh, with all the preliminaries out of the way, let us go to the Father in prayer today while we're together. Amen. Father, we bless you and thank you for this time together. We thank you for uh, what you're doing in our lives, and we pray, Father, that you would indeed help us to increase our image-bearing capacity, that we want to reflect you to our world in the most appropriate, reverent, holy way. So, Father, today as we meet, bless our time together through Messiah. Amen. So we are continuing today in episode 135, our series that we are currently doing uh, entitled, What Do You Want? And again, for those of you who are catching this for the first time, uh, we are doing this series on Shabbat during our Shabbat teaching, the teaching portion of our Shabbat services. And um, this podcast show is about seven weeks or so behind the Shabbat uh, teachings and Shabbat talks. And uh, it's been really good uh, because it's given me a chance to get some feedback, to hear from you guys and gals, and to kind of uh, just think about things maybe a little differently. Maybe I said something that wasn't didn't make sense, so it's allowing me to clear things up, or uh, I get feedback and people go, hey, when you said that, it made me think about this, and that's been really good, and I've been kind of keeping notes, taking uh, keeping track of notes and stuff, and that's been cool uh, to have that feedback, and so I hope, again, this is all helpful, uh, and I keep saying helpful, and let me kind of explain what I mean. Um, I have been a, you know, part of a lot of ministry and different things where um, people have said, you know, like, we teach the truth. And while that may be true, the way it's being taught is, is not helpful for implementation and for application into our lives. Um, or the material they're teaching is wonderful, but there's no kind of, there's no link into like, okay, this is great, but how is, how does this work for me, right? How does this um, help me, you know, and, and what is the, what is the deal here? Um, so, um, we, we, I want these episodes to be helpful, right? 
I want these episodes to be helpful. And so um, I hope that we're giving good information. Uh, I hope that we're giving good sources and things where you can go find the information for yourself. Um, but I also hope that we are bridging that application gap where maybe, uh, you know, you're, you're saying like, yeah, this is great stuff. And, and then now I'm learning how to apply it. So, uh, this, uh, series again, started out as an attempt towards more observance. And I want to take a minute here too, because, uh, observance can get a bad rap. Uh, there can be a lot of questions as it pertains to observance. I know we've gotten a lot of questions about what we mean by observance and, where are you going with all this, et cetera? So um, we, we have this, this identity thing that we're going to start getting into today really pretty poignantly. Um, and we have two sides of kind of what we do and how, how our reality works, and that is what we believe and then what we do. And the question is, is what we believe congruent with what we do? Or is what we do, rather, always congruent with what we believe or how we think? And we're trying to get to a point where those two sides of us converge, uh, maybe at a deeper level than maybe for us they ever have uh, before. Uh, there's a quote that I read last, uh, last episode that I really enjoy, uh, and I've been thinking about it. I think about it all the time, and it it has to do with Whenever we, whenever what we do and what we believe line up, then we are no longer seeking change, but we are, we have begun to live in who we truly are. And I love, I love that thought. Um, when, when the, the quote goes like this, when behavior and identity are fully aligned, we are no longer pursuing change, but we are acting like the person we already believe ourselves to be. I love that quote. That's a quote from James Clear in the book Atomic Habits that we've been reading. And I hope you've picked that book up and you've started to uh, to check it out. It's really been really been fantastic. And so, starting out talking about observance, uh, where we actually wanted to say like we believe the Torah. We we believe that we should have some uh, obedience to the Torah, some loyalty to the Torah. We believe that the Torah should be a part of our lives and it should be how we live our lives. That's what we believe. As Messianics, you know, Torah pursuer Christians, Hebrew roots, whatever class you want to put yourself in, that's what we believe. However, many times we believe certain things, but we don't necessarily act on them. And so a big one is like, well, yeah, we understand and we believe that Shabbat is the day that Hashem ordained at creation. And it is the seventh day that we should set aside for rest. Okay. But how how closely or how much effort are we putting into actually observing and and bringing that acts those acts and behavior in congruence with that belief right and so that's what this series started out to be is a way to to increase that observance because what happens is when we increase our observance when we actually start doing the things that we say we believe it actually has this beautiful and powerful impact on reinforcing our beliefs. And then as we grow in belief and understanding and knowledge and wisdom, then we can act more confidently, which then reinforces that belief again. And it's beautiful cyclical feedback loop that we give ourselves. And as we study and as we are around other 
people and community and all, and it just grows into this beautiful thing that we call identity. And I feel like identity is where the sticking point is. And I've taught a lot about identity in the last several years, and all of it has been an attempt to come to this point. And so it's been a really beautiful journey and a beautiful thing. So I want to get into identity today really point, really pointedly and start off with kind of where we left off last week, which is to say that our behaviors are a reflection of our identity. Now, what is, we're going to define identity and I'm going to define it maybe a little bit differently than what you're used to, but Identity and the way that I think about it, or my, my definition, has kind of two sides. There is an identity that the Scripture calls us to, and I'll call that ideal identity. The Scripture has an idealized version of humanity as a whole, not just save, folk, save folks, but humanity as a whole, an idealized idea of what humanity should look like, humanity. All of humanity should bear God's image, should be a, a, a reflection of who Hashem is to creation, to each other, etc. So there's an ideal version of humanity that is, that is gracious and merciful and, and just, uh, just, just, excuse me, and righteous and all of those things that is not oppressive, that is not... Uh, you know, that is not manipulative, that is not harsh, that is, that is fair and merciful, all those things. But humanity is also made up of individuals. And while I am, don't have the sole responsibility of bearing God's image, Baruch Hashem, praise God, we, I, I still make up a part of the conglomerate of humanity, as, as do you. And it starts with me. It starts with you. We are the individuals that Hashem chose to work in, with, through, to partner with in order to help grow humanity into its image-bearing potential. Now, our individuals, next unit is the family, right? The next unit after that is our, our maybe our congregation or church or Sabbath fellowship or whatever it may be. Uh, outside of that is maybe your local community, and these things are the tears which Hashem uses to help us to influence, to impact, to change, uh, for us to be changed and accountable and to grow into that image-bearing vocation. So there's an idealized version of that. You have an idealized, the Bible has an idealized picture of what the human looks like. So that's idealized or ideal identity. Then we have what I'll call true identity, or that's not a good word, um, uh, I'll call self-identity maybe, something like that, um, that is what we believe about ourselves. What we believe about ourselves is an actual identity. Maybe actual identity is the better word, ideal identity and actual identity. Um, not to say that what God calls us as far as like you are holy, you are chosen, you know, those things that God calls us, you are loved. Not to say that those things are not true. They're just not always actualized in our everyday living uh, because God calls you loved. You are loved. You're the apple of his eye. You are his beloved. How many folks, though, deal with loneliness and depression and 
and a lack of love, feel, you know, not, not feeling that love and not living as people who are loved. That's a huge epidemic in the faith community at large. Um, God says you are, you know, you are set apart. You are holy. But how many people just really don't live up to that standard? God says that you are a new creation. But how many people really just live in their old ways? You know, maybe we're baptized, maybe walked an aisle as a kid or as an adult, and you just find yourself living back in the old ways. So that's what I mean by idealize. It's not that what God says about us isn't true. However, it's not always actualized in our everyday life. What we believe about ourselves is what will usually actualize and manifest itself as who we really are, as our identity. So we always struggle between what God calls us and what we can manage to believe about ourselves. And those are that's a hard thing, right? And so our behaviors are a reflection of our identity, that, that being what we believe about ourselves. What we do is an indication of the type of person we believe we are. Now, the cool thing about this statement is that if you study Scripture and you believe God's Word and you, you take it to heart and you meditate on it and you say, I, God says that I, should, that I am to produce the fruit of the Spirit, right? So love, joy, peace, patience, right, etc., self-control, gentleness, kindness, all the, the fruit of the Spirit— then what you can do is you can change your behavior in order to begin to internalize that attribute, that fruit, that character. And so it, it may not be what you believe about yourself or what you actualize, what, how you actually live, but you can begin to change those things in order to create a new Identity in order to align more closely with the ideal identity away from the uh, the actual identity, right? And then we have this quote that when behavior and and uh, identity are fully aligned, I would say when your uh, behavior is fully aligned with your actual identity or your your ideal identity, you're no longer pursuing change. So your hate behavior, when our behavior as believers lines up with what the Bible says about us, then we are no longer pursuing change. Does that make sense? Whenever our, when we act biblically, not just externally, but when we internally believe that's who we are and then act like it, and there's no, last week we talked about, excuse me, we talked about a rub, right? Sometimes what we do and what we believe are different and it creates a rub. And so, when we actually begin to live like who we believe we are and we those beliefs come in alignment then we're no there's no rub there anymore and that's what this quote is saying that we're no longer pursuing change but we're actually acting like the person that we believe that we are or like the bible says that we are right so this is a beautiful way of thinking about this so we, we, we move on and we get into this thing about, okay, I, I get identity change and I want to change my identity and I want to be better and I want to I manifest what Scripture talks about and what Scripture calls me, what God calls me, et cetera, et cetera. And I want to do that, but there's, there's, it's hard because we, we, we go throughout our day and, 
you know, we, we may try to like life hack ourselves, right? And we may put post-it notes with verses or we may, you know, have reminders of how to act in a certain area where we're trying to improve. And, and all those things are, you know, they're, they're good and, and they're, they're right. But on any given day, we may really, really struggle with our habits. And that's what we're talking about, behavior, habits, um, because maybe you're really busy and you're like, look, I only have enough, you know, uh, bandwidth to focus on getting stuff done today. And so my character, my habits are going to have to kind of take a back seat for right now. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe you're tired and you just don't have the energy. You, you, you're, you're, you're distracted from fatigue and you just need to get through the day. Or maybe, um, you have, you know, you, you have a, um, a, a hundred different reasons, uh, you know, whatever you, whatever it may be, uh, you're distracted or, you know, the, the kids are whatever, all these things. And so you have a hard time focusing on those identity things and those habits, but I want to propose another excuse or another reason why it may be hard to continue to improve and to continue to bring what you believe and what you do into line. And I believe that the real reason that we fail to really stick with habits, to stick with behavior modification things and life hacks and stuff, is that our actual self-image gets in the way. So we are shooting for and reaching for a, uh, an identity that is ideal, what the Bible calls us and who we believe ourselves to be, and yet we have a hard time, we get stuck because we don't really believe that about ourselves. Now, I'm not going to launch into my whole rant about original sin and shame and guilt and the damage that has caused um, in, in a lot of our lives because you might not have that damage. And if you don't, bless God, Baruch Hashem, I'm glad that you don't. However, suffice to say for many people, you grew up in a shame culture in, as it relates to uh, your church background, as it relates to sin. And it went something like this. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Uh, you were born in sin, and uh, so basically uh, nothing you can do. All of your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. And uh, so God, God hates sin. And so therefore, maybe not ever explicitly said, but God hates you because you are sin. You were born with sin nature. Sin is not just something you do. Sin is something you are, and God hates sin. So by a, a pretty significant, you know, a pretty simple, rather, process, uh, processing, you can say that God hates you. So he sent Jesus, and Jesus died for sin, died for your sin, so that God would love you. But God really doesn't love you so much. He loves the Jesus in you, or he loves the Jesus that stands between you and him. That's toxic. I'm sorry, that's not, I mean, we can, you can cherry, you can pick a bunch of verses out of context that will give you that story, that will tell you that theology, um, but I don't think it's right or helpful. Uh, it's toxic. And so while sin is a thing, and God does hate sin, absolutely, um, and God did, you, did send Yeshua um, as an atonement of sorts, there is, there is a lot of problems with that. 
And so when we when we read scripture and we go like, oh, well, this is God, this is who God says I'm supposed to be, this new creature, this light of the world, this salt of the earth, this the head only and not the tail, above only and not beneath, and all these things. But I'm stuck with this cognitive dissonance where I, yeah, but I thought I was a sinful, you know, worthless creation and such. And so it can really create an issue, right? Where we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of unlearning to do. And so the, the, no matter, no matter what, how, no matter what keeps you from progressing in your image bearing vocation and expanding yourself, no matter if it's your schedule or your kids or your husband or your family, or whatever, the real reason that we fail to stick with, with improving our image bearing uh, vocation is because we don't believe it's who we are. Our self-image gets in the way and we actually cut ourselves off at the knees. And so when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about this self-image and some ways that we can start to process changing our identity. Right after the break, don't go away. We'll be right back. All right, guys, thank you for coming back. So becoming the best version of ourselves requires us to continually edit our beliefs about the outside world and about ourselves and to constantly uh, expand, upgrade, I'm not sure the word you want to use, but uh, but alter our identity, our actual identity, the one that we believe about ourselves, right? Let me say that again. Becoming the best version of ourselves. And when I say the best version of ourselves, I mean the version that God created. Understand that God wants to work in all of humanity, yeah? He wants all of humanity to represent him, to be his image bearer. However, again, humanity is made up of individuals. So in order for my family to be uh, to be the the most uh, godly of character and compassion and love that it can be, it takes every person in my family to be the best version of themselves. And that doesn't mean that we're some amorphous, vanilla, like, you know, we all look the same, pray the same, talk the same. We're, it's not like, uh, what's that? Uh, there was a movie that came out a long time ago, uh, The Stepford Wives. Remember the movie The Stepford Wives where it's like this perfect community and and everybody was almost like waxy, you know, like everybody's happy all the time. And I think that's so many times that's what we think about like, well, that's what we need to be. We need to be this this community of like polished trophies, right? That we we just like we always are, you know, almost animatronic in the way that we live and move. And that's not at all the case. Um I'll share more about this when we get to it, but I shared a couple of weeks ago that in, in our Shabbat teaching, you know, that um, it's important to know yourself, know what your strengths and weaknesses are. That's why I've been asking you to start making an inventory. Uh, James Clear in the book Atomic Habits 
calls it a habit scorecard. So actually take note of what you do on a daily basis and, and kind of go score. Like, is it a positive habit? Is that a negative habit? Is it a neutral habit? Is it just something I do? Uh, is it something I need to work on? Is it a good thing that I do, et cetera? And so, you know, kind of develop these, this habit scorecard for yourself so you can really see who you are and what you're doing. And when we start to do that, we do it for long enough, you get a really clear picture of kind of who you are. And you notice trends in your own acting, thinking, speaking, reacting, feeling. You notice your own trends. You, you very, become very in touch with your own ebb and flow. And you can begin to become comfortable with who you are. And so I, I've done this kind of innately. I don't, it's not anything, you know, like I'm not going like, hey, yeah, you, you're brilliant. No, it's just I'm an overthinker. And I know many of you out there are an overthinker. You're overanalytical. And you overthink especially about yourself, if anything else, right? You might really overthink like, well, why did they say that? Or why did they say it like that? Or, you know, you might overthink conversations and, and uh, you know, situations you were in. But probably if you're an overthinker, if you're a good overthinker, you probably overthink you more than anything else. And so you probably understand what I'm saying when I say this. But I have overthought this thing, you know, and how, how I relate to God and how God works in my life and stuff for a long time, since I was in my early teens. And so what I have realized, uh, again, this is not an arrogance thing. I hope no one takes it like that. But what I've realized is that I hear from God in unique ways. And they're probably not just unique to me, but they are unique from maybe the majority of people that I've ever been around. And I have a, a way of processing Scripture and the voice of God, the, the unction of the Ruach, the Spirit, and I have a way of processing those things that is different um, than others that I've been around, and that has been pretty consistent throughout my life. Uh, also, I'm a, I'm a worship leader by, by my heart. My passion is worship leading, um, and so... I have a way of connecting with Hashem through music and stuff that is different. I would say deeper. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but deeper, different, unique. And that, again, has has been a consistent thing throughout my young life and my ministry. And so I know that about myself. But before you go, oh, he's getting the, he's got the big head. Wow, this sounds really arrogant. Hang on. With that comes a cost. And the cost for that for me personally has been a lifelong struggle with depression and anxiety. It's been a lifelong struggle with insecurity and inconsistency. Um, You know, for every brilliant moment that I have or every inspiration or every time where I feel like I'm meeting with Hashem, I'm hosting the presence of Hashem personally, and the earth is shaking for every one of those uh, that maybe happen once a year or twice a year or once every five years, depending. For all of those, it's months and months on end of uh, of, uh, of self deprecation, uh, you know, loath struggling with my own, you know, loathsome thoughts and all those kinds of things. And so, I, you know, I I can hear you thinking like, well, golly, is he arrogant or do I need to send help? You know. <laughs> So neither I hope neither one. Um, it's just the way that it, it exists in my mind. And and again, 
you know, when I say stuff like, I hope this is helpful, I hope, you know, me just kind of being honest and transparent is helpful for some of you. They go like, wow, that's me. And I never had somebody that could put words to it, you know? Um, because sometimes we're fear, we're scared, fearful of being that vulnerable. Sometimes we don't want to confess something that is not scriptural. So, you know, uh, the Bible says we have a sound mind and I'm not going to call depression. I'm not going to say it. I'm like, well, you know, the bottom line is, um, it, it kind of is what it is and it's okay to recognize those things, not to, you know, not to, to say, well, this is who I'll always be, but to recognize this as part of it and I have to learn how to steward it and to rely on Hashem for help and to find tools that Hashem has given us to navigate these things. So, um, so all of that to say, you know, we, we have to constantly edit what we believe about ourselves. We, we can't get too, you know, attached to one version or one identity of ourselves. We always have to be editing and expanding what we believe about ourselves. And so in the negative things, the, the victim things are the, you know, the I'm, I'm just an angry person or I'm just stubborn or I'm just like my parents, I'm blah, blah, blah. In those ways, you know, we have to constantly be editing and expanding those things to a better version of ourselves. In the areas where we're great, and you do have areas where you are great, don't let anybody or yourself or any past voices or whatever tell you that there are not areas that you're not supposed to be great. And that recognizing where you are great is not arrogance. It can be. It can become arrogance. But the negative thing, you know, it's, it's so fascinating how the psychology of like, you know, doctrine, theology, church and stuff has worked in some of our lives in that we've said, you know, we're like, yeah, you may be good at X, Y, Z, but you better stay humble so it doesn't turn into pride, right? That's a dangerous thing to be too, too confident or too arrogant, you know, too proud of an area because it turns into pride. But we never put a limit on how loathsome we can think about ourselves. You know what I mean? We never put a limit on how negatively you can think about yourself. Oh, no, man. Like, you should think of yourself as the absolute scourge of the earth. As, as much as you can think about yourself in a debased form, that's good because that produces more surrender to God because you can't do anything about you. And it's, again, you know, it's some of that, like, toxic stuff, right? Yikes. What would happen if we would actually think well of ourselves and actually be confident and positive about the gifts that God has given us? Man, we might actually could use that confidence in those gifts to change something, to help lead someone to a life in, in, in Messiah that they never knew, to maybe help strip, some, strip somebody from their bonds and their shackles, right? I mean, imagine how beautiful that could be, right? So we don't want our self-image or what we believe about ourselves to get in the way, whether good or bad. And so we have to constantly be in this, uh, this mode of editing our beliefs and editing ourselves so that we can upgrade and expand our identity. All right, so let's talk about a two-step process for, for starting to... Uh, change, alter, edit, um, elevate our identity, okay? Just two. 
because if you're like me, you get overwhelmed super quick. Maybe you don't, but um, if you do, welcome. Uh, two, two steps to changing our identity. And they are basically, um, number one, decide the person you want to be. Well, that step is, should be fairly easy because we have the scripture that gives us a huge amount of insight into that's the ideal version, right? The ideal identity. We have a lot, or if you've been in church any amount of time, you should have a whole deep pool, a wealth of stuff to draw from that should help inform who you want to be, the person you want to be. Again, I'm going to call these kind of like big picture stuff, like 30,000 foot view me. What do I mean by that? Well, um, we're going to talk about what I believe is the number one thing or identity trait that we should have as believers, and that is holy. And we're going to talk a lot about holiness in future episodes. If you've been with us on Shabbat, you've already gotten a little uh, taste of that. But holiness is a huge whole conversation. So um, we should be holy, right? Uh, what's something else that we could say? I mean, just think of all the scripture that comes to mind. Um, blessed, favored, loved, saved, uh, born again, redeemed, rejuvenated, restored, delivered, um, humble, uh, full of love, again, the fruit of the Spirit, all, all patient, all of these things that we should be. Those are 30,000 foot view, big picture things that we should all strive to be. Now, here's the thing about that idealized concept. Again, you are an individual, which means that, you know what, maybe uh, you were not wired from God. You know, when God was stitching you together in your mother's womb, God may have not put a whole lot of patient sauce in your, in your mix. He might have withheld on the the, the, the character trait, the, the identity, the wiring of patience a little bit because if the world was full of patient people just almost to the apathetic degree, which is not what patience means, but a lot of times that's, that's kind of how we hear it. You should be patient, which means you should be apathetic. Don't really move. Just kind of sit there and let things happen. If too many of us were like that, nothing would ever get done, right? There would be traffic jams everywhere, uh, assembly lines, and you know, and 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 all those things would just grind to a halt. Nothing would ever get done. The world needs some impatient people because things need to get done, right? Um, however, impatience needs to be balanced with patience. All of these things need to be in a balance. And so um, you may be, you may can work on being a little more patient. You can hone that character trait and be a little more patient when you need to be more discerning in your impatience, I guess is a good way to put it. And, and I could go through a gazillion different examples like that. But once you start to know you, or maybe you're already thinking about some things for you that go like, okay, I really struggle. I'll just take myself an example, not because I like talking about me, but I know me, and I don't know you guys, so I'm the only one I can really talk about in this way. I said a little while, a while ago, I struggle with consistency a lot, and I have struggled. When I was growing up in church, you know, and in high school and youth group and stuff, 
um, in the Baptist churches that I grew up in, uh, the the holy grail of of personal growth, of Christian growth, was a quiet time. That was the holy grail. If you could get your quiet time mastered, then 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 God would speak to you, and the earth would shake, and and you would know you would be walking in God's perfect will, et cetera, et cetera. And here's the thing about how they taught us about quiet time. And if you don't know, quiet time is like a devotional time, uh, where you 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 pick a time of day, and it's it needs to be the same time every day. You need to pick a spot. It needs to be the same spot. It can be in your room. It can be out in the woods. It can be on a park bench. It can be wherever. Same time, same spot every day, and you take 10, 15, 20 minutes. And as our attention spans got shorter, we've gotten it down all the way to like one minute, you know, devotionals. And you read a scripture, you pray, you you think, you know, you, 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 we didn't use the word meditate because that was, you know, that's, Eastern religion, and we didn't believe in that, but basically it's meditation. Um, but you, you know, you think about the scripture, you think, and and you do that every single day, which is fantastic. It's a great spiritual discipline. Um, unless you're like me, and and it would happen for about a week, maybe two weeks, if I was lucky, um, and then and then it would start to fall apart because I just I, I, when I have too much schedule, too much consistency, I feel really trapped. And, and smothered and suffocated. Or, or I just, I, or for me, you know, if I'm not feeling something, it's really hard to stick to. I don't like things to feel robotic and mechanic. I like there to be some feelings, some inspiration, some, right, motivation. And it would just kind of get like, eh, just kind of get dull. And so if, for me as a young, as a kid growing up, if that is the holy grail for your your Christian development, your your growth and your relationship with God, but you cannot find a way to make it work, that's devastating, especially when all you want is to be right with God, right? You want to make it, and that's devastating. And I, it took me a long time. I had to learn that, you know what, I, that's not for me. Now, do I need consistency? Yes. And so you know what Hashem did in His providence and His wisdom? He brought me a wife that thrives over consistency and, and, and really has helped me to balance that. It doesn't mean that I am the most consistent. I'm not winning in awards for the most consistent at 44 years old. But it does mean that I have find, found value in consistency, but I've also begun to appreciate that I am just, I do better with a little bit of inconsistency. I do better when I'm, my schedule and my mind and stuff is freer and not so regimented. I still schedule. I schedule my day. I schedule my week, you know, et cetera but it's not regimented. It's not the same thing. It's not monotonous. That's what I need to thrive. So I'm able to find that balance. And you only do that by learning about yourself and listening and, and taking in what's going on. And so you, you have to decide the person that you want to be from that 30,000 foot level, but also you have to become really in tune with who you are and filter the scripture and and those attributes that God, those character attributes that God, godly character that he wants to produce in us and realize that you can't win the awards at all of the fruit of the spirit. You're not going to be the best at all of them because maybe you're wired to be a little less impatient or less patient. Maybe you are, maybe you're just, you're a kind soul. You just, God wired you for kindness and that can, in some aspects, make you kind of like a doormat. 
right? You're so kind and gentle that you're ju- people just walk all over you. You know what? Your kindness and your gentleness is a salve. It's a healing for so many people. But in that also, you may need to become a little more, uh, not callous or hard, but discerning in your gentleness and start to learn that, you know, maybe the person that you think is, they're really harsh and hard, they're kind of a jerk. Maybe you need to learn a little bit of that because God doesn't want us all to just be doormats. That's not the God, it's not the gospel of the doormats. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And in a kingdom, you have soldiers, you have servants, you have bread makers, you have mason, you have all different people of different feels and textures and, and, and all these kinds of things that make the kingdom work together, right? In the body, you got fingernails, which are hard and, you know, and stuff. You got feet, which can get calloused and ugly. But then you have beautiful faces, you have beautiful hair. And so everybody needs their own position. So decide the person that you want to be taking those two things into account, ideal and then who, how God wired you. And the second thing is begin to, begin to f- loop that feet, give yourself feedback on that identity with small habit changes and small wins. This is, we're going to get into this towards the end. We're going to focus for the next couple of weeks on the person you want to be. But the second part of that is learning and, and encouraging yourself and, and proving yourself with small wins. And that's a huge deal, right? Um, that is an important part of this, this process for sure. Your identity emerges out of your habits, out of what you do, you are telling yourself who you are by what you do, okay? And all this is going to get really Torah-focused towards the end, but now it's just really general, okay? And if you're thinking like, ah, oh, this is too psychobabble, blah, 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 I don't know how I feel about this, it's going to get there, just, but we have to start here, and then we're going we're gonna to hone in, right? So your identity emerges out of those things, those little things that you do. You are telling yourself who you are by the things that you do each and every day, less by the things you believe, more by the things that you do. Your habits are how your identity is embodied. They're the manifestation of your identity. So if you are, if you're flying off the handle all the time, you're, if you're high, if you're like hair trigger, you know, your anger is like hair triggered, you're an angry person. You may not, you may look around and people may say, why are you angry? And they go like, what? I'm not angry. What do you mean? I'm not angry all the time. But if other people are saying it, you better take a look at it because your, your behavior, your actions, they manifest, they embody your identity and, and who you are, whether you believe it or not. That's scary. The more we repeat those behaviors, the more... Um, we reinforce that identity that is associated with it. Again, you're telling yourself who you are. You're creating your own feedback loop. Uh, This is a cool thing that James Clear brings out in his book, that the word identity um, comes from the Latin words, two Latin words. One is uh, essentitas. I don't speak Latin, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but essentitas which means being. It's where we get like essence from or essential, right? Being. Essentitas means being and uh, identitum. Identitum, we get identity from. Um, But identitum 
in Latin, according to the author, means repeated. So identity means repeated being. Whatever you are repeatedly being by what you do, that is your real identity. So these, so deciding who we want to be in step one, which is what we're going to start to work on these next couple of weeks, deciding who we want to be and navigating that, um, we have to realize that it comes, it's going to come through a repeated being, essentitas identitum. I, for you Latin folks out there, you know, I don't know, help, help, help me out. I don't know how I did on that, but I think that's fascinating. A repeated being, whatever your, whatever your identity is right now, uh, whoever you think you are right now, you only think that because you have, uh, you have done small things for so long that you've proved yourself to yourself that's who you are. The person you believe yourself to be is is because you have you have evidence for it, right? You have good evidence and proof of it, and and so the more evidence you have for a belief about yourself, obviously, the more you're going to believe it, right? Um, if somebody has called you a failure your whole life, you may actually not. Fail fail that that much. Proportionately, everybody fails, but you may not fail a whole lot proportion to everybody else. But for you, every failure seems like a, it's a magnificent, spectacular, miraculous failure. No one could fail as good as you fail because you are a failure. And every time you, you see something called a failure, then it reinforces that's who you are. And so you continually, again, have that feedback loop. You repeat these actions over and over and over, and and over an amount of time, they accumulate, and that creates a self-image. The great news, the great news, is that once we decide who we want to be, step one, we can change that self-image by doing exactly the things that we should be doing and creating the person that we want to be, right? So I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has been good for you guys. Again, share these episodes if they're helpful in these discussions. Use them as discussion starters with your family, Bible study group, whatever. And I can't look, I can't wait to see you next week. So until then, shalom, shalom. Hey.